It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Karen. And this is the Walking Dead cast episode 93, I think. <laughs> this I is think an- that's true. A- another um, a special edition and we just finished interviewing Stephen Yun. How do you think it went? Uh, I think it was Stephen Yunnerific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he really had a lot to say. He um, he really got into it and uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So he, he definitely brought out my 12-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> you'll hear why you'll hear why um so i yeah i guess there's not much more to say and just, let's just get right into it steven yes hi Jesus. hey how are you doing good how are you I'm, I'm good are you um like doing back-to-back interviews uh yes how much yeah. how much time do you have right now Oh, I, you're you're my last one. Okay, so Woo-hoo! the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, a couple hours. Yeah, we can be on for the next couple of hours. Yeah, we're good. Okay, right on. <laughs> Lean back and uh, pop open a frosty cold one. <laughs> so Karen, you wanted to um, warm Stephen yeah, up. Yeah. I okay. So yeah. So Stephen, hi. This is Karen. Mm-hmm. Hello again. Hi Karen. Um, how are you? Yes. Thanks for having me back. I'm so I'm so pleased to hear your voice. Um, so first, I have a non-zombie related question, and that is um, about the Red Wings. They're in fourth place. Mm. Do you think that they can mm. pass the, the mighty Blackhawks? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a very good warm-up question. <laughs> you know, we're missing a lot of leadership right now. Uh, we're in not the best place, but we'll see what happens. Blackhawks are right. pretty good, though. Go Detroit. That's my go point. Detroit. <laughs> hey, it's been. Uh, uh, I looked back. It's been. It's been a long time since we last talked to you. It was actually October of 2011. Wow. I know. So uh, Glenn has been through a hell of a lot since then, and I imagine that you've been through a hell of a lot since then. I'm wondering if you've changed as much as he has. Yeah, I'm a raging a-hole now. <laughs> 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 I'm just a 
giant dick. We're going to get to the letter you wrote to Kirkman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, boy. That comes later. Um, yeah, let's lay. I want to save that to the end because it's uh, very spoilery. So I want to be able to warn people. But um, okay. No, seriously, like, like you know, how, like, you're a, you're a movie star now. Like, have you? Um, yeah, I wouldn't know if I would say all that, but um, it's <laughs> this show is definitely very popular. That's that's true. And what about your life? Like, how how's everything? Are you like getting more um, work outside of the show? Are you? Is it different for you on a day to day basis, being out in public and things like that? Um, I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I am, you know, getting to see a little bit more in terms of the work side. Uh, and also I'm getting to uh, not be so inconspicuous when I walk out around outside. But it's cool because, you know, the typical, everyone that kind of loves the show really, really loves, really, really loves the show. So uh, it's nothing but nice comments. So it's, it's, it's great. You can never complain. Like, what do people say? Uh, they say like, you know, you know, I, I love the show. Our family gets together and watches all the time, you know, just really sweet things. Nice. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you just stop being so good looking, then maybe people would leave you alone all right. more. <laughs> all right. That's, that's not true. Um, okay. Let's get into some actual walking dead talk. So, um, well, actually I'm curious, like this last episode, um, it seems uh, I can't quite tell exactly what's going on between Glenn and Maggie. I mean, I kind of get the idea, but um, it's a little um, amorphous. What, what's your take on it? Well, you know, um, the thing about uh, television is you do have to tell a lot of story in a limited amount of time. And um, sometimes things don't get seen on camera that need to be seen maybe to justify something. Mm. But, you know, this is something that Lauren and I definitely wanted to hit. And, you know, Glenn Mazzara was definitely, you know, uh, trying to have us hit as well, which is, you know, when someone is victimized, if if you truly think about, uh, the the thing about television is also this, is that, you know, people's gut reactions are immediate. And um, if if it's not uh, kind of, the way that maybe people have been presented that information in the past, uh, it, it takes a little bit more work to kind of comprehend. Um, for me, how it works with Glenn is you see Maggie of what Glenn has seen. He has seen her been thrown into his room topless and crying mm-hmm. and the governor kind of gropes her in front of him and and for Glenn, as a young man, he can only kind of process that as in a really crazy way and in a really uh, probably irrational way. And regardless of the fact that, you know, Maggie did tell him that he didn't touch her, you know, things can go crazy in your head. I, I don't know if people have you or anyone that you know has ever been cheated on, but, you know, not to say that that is exactly the same, but just to show you the depths of what uh, uh, blind rage can do is it can make you make things up in your head that you, that don't even, don't even, aren't even close to existing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes your head wander to places that 
you would never have imagined prior. But, you know, when, when it comes to you having a lot of alone time and you just kind of fixating on that one visual, you, you know, it, you can, your mind can go to crazy places. And, and for Glenn, what he's doing is he's trying to, he, he, he's trying to justify to himself why he feels these feels this way and also what can remedy this. And for him, what can remedy this, these feelings of rage is to get back at the governor and, and kill him or exact revenge. And in that way, he's ignoring Maggie. He's, he's pushing her away by treating her like a victim, uh, continuing to treat her like a victim instead of comforting her and being there for her. He's actually saying, you know what? I know what's good for you. You stand behind me. I will take care of this. You, you go, you go rest. I will take care of this. And I think that's the worst thing you can do. And, but it is a very common thing that happens. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, 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 people that are victimized, their significant others do do the, do that and do behave that way. Um, because it's, I think it's a, it's a human nature quality of always looking to how to justify it for your own good, for, for yourself. It's a very selfish thing. And, um, you don't see it till it's too late. And I think Glenn, you know, at his youth is, is there. He, he sees that right now the only thing that he knows are true is Maggie got hurt in some way. Uh, and I need to get him back for that. You know, I, I we tried to pepper that in early on, you know, even in the conversation that they have between Daryl before he leaves, um, you know, Maggie starts to talk and I cut her off. She starts to say, I just blast right past her and don't even let her finish. And, you know, that was a conscious decision on, on Lauren and I's part to do that, to start, like, peppering these things in so that it shows the, the slow build towards kind of this moment where, you know, Glenn eventually comes to Maggie, you know, and is continuing to push her away and continuing to not let her say her piece or not let her come to her own conclusions about it or make her own peace with it. Uh, he, in a way, he keeps reminding her. Even in in that scene where he uh, goes to her, in, in, you know, while she's in bed, and he's in his own way reminding her uh, of saying, "Like, remember when you got violated? Do you remember that? Like, do you remember that? Like, we need to talk about this because you got violated." And if you keep saying that to someone, that can only be so. That can be. That's got to be the most ridiculous thing and the last thing you want to hear in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, that, I think that's what justifies Maggie's kind of pushback. And, you know, and in the, in the way that Glenn's processing it now also is like, he's totally irrational. He's, he's thinking, even in that pushback, somehow you can justify it in his head that the governor has, governor caused this. The governor caused this rift between me and Maggie. Like, it's not me. It can't be me. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do the right thing by getting back in him. Look at what he's also done. He's put a wedge between her and I. And that's, that's, the, that's the crazy place that he's in right now. And um, so he goes off, and he goes off to uh, do what he needs to do. And um, I, I, I think that's where Glenn is at this current point. And, um uh, I hope that made sense for you guys. It, it did. It yeah. seemed like um, maybe the way it played out in one of uh, Maggie's responses that also maybe at least she was thinking that there was some sort of irrational anger towards her on Glenn's part. Is that a part of it at all or no? 
you know, I, I think also you got to think of where she's coming from too. Is she's from a very she? No matter how much how how well she's trying to take it, she's coming from a very damaged place as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of just two irrational people passing yeah. each other by and trying to do their own thing to cope with whatever they're dealing with. Um, and it just so happens to be that Glenn's is more uh, pressure-filled and his is more kind of overbearing. And she's uh, retreating. Kind yeah. of Maggie's more, yeah, she's retreating. It's a little bit more subversive. and mm-hmm. um, Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. I I, our listeners are going to like hearing all, all that too. So, awesome. Speaking cool. about your uh, misadventures in Woodbury, um, you you also got traumatized there as well. Your character um, mm-hmm. with that torture scene, um, and um, can you can you describe the your preparation for that torture scene? It was pretty crazy uh, with the zombie and you being duct taped to the chair and breaking the chair. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, can you yeah, talk no, a little bit about I, that? I want to know, yeah, the logistics of it and just how it was to film it for you. Uh, that was a really fun day, you know, I mean, <laughs> when I, when I read that scene, I was just, I originally looked at it as like, you know, this is going to be fun, like this is going to be a really cool scene to shoot and, uh, I want to make sure that, you know, uh, I get the visuals all in there and, you know, me and Russell Powery, our stunt coordinator, went over some stuff, you know, I pitched some things, he pitched some things, we kind of came to like a very solid consensus of what we wanted to show and, uh, the director pitched some things to Dan Sakai, and uh, he was he was there. And I remember on the day, you know, we're on TV time, so you gotta you don't have that much time to film things. And you know, it, uh, he wanted originally a lot of camera setups to like get these isolated shots, and and um, we realized that we we were running out of time to do that. So I asked him, you know, can I just do everything myself? Can I just can you just you know, and he, he decided, like, we're just going to steady cam you. We're going to handy cam you. And so Glenn Brown, our, ca- our camera op, who's amazing, he just handheld cammed me and caught everything as I did it uh, uh, in one take. And um, what was fun about it was I remembered to, you know, uh, uh, hit those beats, but at the same time, I was just so free to do whatever, and I was just so in it that, you know, stumbles were added or, you know, uh, certain moments were added or things were picked up. And, you know, I have a great stunt double, uh, Dante Ha. But in that moment, I mean, Dante did a couple of stunts that I don't know if they ever used, but I remember talking to Dan and asking him, please, can I do every single one? Because I don't, not nothing against Dante, but it's just I don't want, I don't want to have to obscure my face at any moment. I want everything to show the anguish of how terrible the situation is and um you know it was it was great and you know even the scream at the end was not scripted but it just kind of organically came out as you know it just all came together and it was fun it was really fun that was one of the best sequences in the series so far i'd say did you get Mm -hmm. i mean how was it for you when you saw it all together did you have any kind of reaction um I'm not good at watching myself. Uh, I realize that I need to watch myself maybe two times. Like the first time I just nitpick really hard and I think I'm a terrible actor. And then I watch the second time and then I realize that I am a terrible actor. (laughs) So it's like, Uh -uh. ah, man. Uh, no, I, I know. I, yeah, it's hard. Uh, It's hard. It's, it's, you know, I just, I just, uh, it's hard to watch myself, but definitely, you know, what I did love about it was the scoring. The scoring was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I love that Dan and Bear 
left those extra breaths at the end uh, after the music was whoop, and then he let the scene breathe for an extra couple seconds. And I was like, that's really cool. I was like, that was visually uh, a great choice. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it was... <laughs> I can only kind of take it from the experience. The experience was definitely fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to this is just quickly. I used to be a, a drummer in in marching band, and we'd do these competitions. And I'd always hear the um, all the errors and flaws in our playing, and then we'd go out and win. And so you just you just notice <laughs> those little things about yourself, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> but uh okay so uh it, it sounds like that was a really fun scene for you to play what what are the most challenging kinds of scenes i think the challenging kinds of scenes are the ones where you kind of have just one thing to say you know uh, the hardest scenes for, for me definitely are when you have to pop in and say one line and then kind of get out of there mm-hmm. um just because you're focusing so hard on how trying to say that line interesting instead of just realizing like it's just one line, relax. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, with the, all the emotional stuff and all the bigger scenes, what I love about it is all the the crew and the crew is so professional. They're right behind you each step of the way. But then the cast as well are like is like so phenomenal that you know everybody's in it and. Everybody can go with curveballs. They can they can kind of ride the waves and and see how things differentiate each time they do the take. And uh, it's really fun to play in that regard because there's no there's no choppiness to the way we shoot. There's no like, all right, let's get your coverage. You go stand over there. Um, you do this, and and we'll just robotically get these lines. Um, it's more like everyone's always available and present for the other person so it's just a lot of fun it's it, that's the whole point of acting you know that's the whole point why you got into it so it's it's cool to have that actually be your job <laughs> speaking of fun uh a couple episodes ago you uh had that great uh zombie head stomp on the ground um that oh, looked yeah. kind of like that kind of looked like fun that was really fun i remember uh it was so funny andy is in that scene, and um, he wanted to watch the headstamp from the monitors, but Greg was like, Greg directed that particular scene, and uh, Greg Nicotero, and Greg was like, I actually, Andy, you're in the slight corner, so you have to stay in the scene. And he's like, damn it. Because <laughs> he wanted to see what it looked like close up to smash that head, and it was nasty. It was so nasty, but it was uh, it was so fun, just because I just got to put all my rage into that, mm-hmm. just stomping the crap out of it when you're playing a scene like that or let's say a scene where you're fighting with uh with maggie and it's really intense and then the director yells cut what happens right after the director yells cut um you kind of cool off or you say that felt great you know i think what we're all kind of hoping for there's a there's a calm on the set whenever it's intense scenes like that but the my the biggest satisfaction that I have acting in general and on our show is like walking away from a scene immediately as soon as you yell cut and being like, Yo, that was good. Like, yeah. That felt really good. <laughs> and um and you don't even know if it looks good. You just know that it felt good and that it felt real. Right. And so for you it's like you're chasing those moments, you're chasing those highs because you know, especially someone like Andy 
is chasing those moments because he doesn't watch, you know, he doesn't watch the show and he doesn't watch himself because he can't, he just doesn't like to. But what he does is he chases those moments of like, that felt really real and Mm -hmm. very cool and very organic. And, and it's very, uh, uh, I love it because that's exactly what we're there to do. And, um, it's, it's fun. Part of it too, when I did my little stint as a zombie, there was one scene where I could see the looks on all the crew's faces that it was looking great. And that mm. added to it. Does that factor in for you at all? Like if every, you can just tell that everybody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. I mean like, you know, we have some amazing people on our crew uh, and like, you know, Mike Satrazimus, he's our, you know, first camera up and he's going to be, I think he's our DP now, but he's, he's amazing. And he's so intertwined in the show, all these camera shots, all these amazing lighting sequences. It's, it's all his doing. And, um, you know, it's it's just to know that he, uh, you know, he tells you all the time, he tells me all the time, he's like, dude, there's nothing like being in this lens because there's nothing else outside of this one frame that I'm, that my world, my world is this frame. And so uh, when I put my eye in this eyepiece and I close my other eye, there's nothing else. There's no camera crew. There's no nothing. You can't see anything. So it's just that frame. And to live there, he's there constantly. And he just says, like, when I see something good, it just, it feels so good to watch. And uh, it, it's cool to get, you know, his feedback. And also, David, uh, our focus puller, for our first camera focus puller is a legend, uh, David Galbraith. And, um, you know, when you get his stamp of approval, and he's been doing it for so many years, when you get his stamp of approval, you're just like, hell yeah. You know, he, just, <laughs> he lets you know when he likes something. You know, cool. He lets you know when, when you've done it. So it's cool. Um, that's great. One thing that people have been asking is in this last episode, Glenn uh, takes off after he's talking to Herschel. He just kind of takes off, but he, I don't think he said where he's going. He's just like, I'm going out, out there. And then he comes back pretty mm-hmm. soon later. And so pe- some people thought he went off to Woodbury. I thought maybe he was going around to check the perimeter. Do you know? Mm-hmm. He was going around to check the perimeter. That's another kind of fallout of, having a limited amount of time to tell a story. Mm. Uh, there was actually scenes that were cut where he does check the perimeter. Uh, but you know, what's great about that scene when we were doing that scene is I tried to play it. Like he was going to go to Woodbury, but in the moment that Herschel stops him, he decides that he's not, uh-huh. um, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's a restraint that then the calm that, that, um, that Herschel kind of brings to him that he still doesn't want. I know he's fiery and firing back at someone that is Herschel, but I think at the same time, he still respects him and still wants to do right by him. He just doesn't know which to choose at this point. And, um, uh, I, you know, I remember even watching that scene. I remember filming the scene, but, you know, I don't know if you go back and watch it, but, um, you know, Glenn walks back and right before, right when, um, Herschel asks, like, where are you going? Where are you going to go? And uh, Glenn hesitates. He hesitates. He, mm-hmm. he he says, you know, no, I'm I'm not. I was just going to go out there. And that was a moment of him just kind of kind of coming to terms with, like, all right, I, I can't go. You know, I, I'm not going right now. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean, you know, you don't know what he's going to do. But then uh, the stuff that was cut was him kind of checking on the perimeter and then hearing the gunshots and then, okay. and then racing back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Herschel had just said if you uh, your anger is going to get you killed or something like that. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. okay. Um, 
do you uh okay i i don't know how much you want to talk about this and it's cool if you don't but i'm just curious how you feel about mazara leaving and scott gimbal coming in and how you feel about the future of the show um you know uh i don't have much you know say in in what goes on in the upper echelon uh i love glenn glenn you know he worked his ass off for our show, mm-hmm. and uh, he's mm-hmm. he's awesome. Um, yeah, we like whatever the differences might have been, yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And whatever the differences might have been, uh, that is what that is. Uh, I can also say that Scott Kimball is a phenomenal writer, mm-hmm. and he's a phenomenal mind. So uh, I think we're in good hands as well. So, um, yeah, you know, personally speaking, I don't know if I can speak on that, but uh, mm-hmm. it's where we're leaving off and where we're going is all intact and we're good. Yeah. We hadn't just had Nicole Beattie on and she, she was seemed really excited about work they're already doing on season four. I was glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. When do you start uh, filming uh, again for, uh, for season four? Uh, we don't have hard dates, but I'm guessing around May. Oh, okay. So coming up, so you have a little break right now? Yeah, uh, yeah, a little break, uh, doing other projects in between, but a little break, yeah. What kind of projects? Uh, maybe some feature films. Nice. (laughs) Anything you can divulge? (laughs) Stuff you can't talk about yet? Um, I don't think I can divulge. Okay, okay. uh, But it's, it's, uh, it's, it should be fun. Cool, yeah, look forward to that. Okay, so we got some good questions from directly from listeners this time. Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Michelle Glenn wants to know why are you so awesome? Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> That's such yeah. an awesome answer. Uh, okay, Daniel Palazzo wants to know why hasn't the group found a Costco yet? Oh, I don't know if there's Costco's in um. In Atlanta, are there? I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe they did yeah, find one. We did Costco's. I don't. We know. didn't see them over the over the winter, so they might have found some big box store. <laughs> and also, you got to think they're they're more in rural Georgia right yeah. now. So yeah, yeah. all the all the places that Costco would exist uh, <laughs> probably are completely overrun with zombies. That's the first place that they would go to. So that's a bad idea. Okay, good answer. <laughs> Bulk brains. Sequoia Vasquez Orono wants to know, other than Walking Dead, what other TV shows are you into, if any? Um, I really like Community. I really like mm-hmm. uh, The Wire. I love Breaking Bad. Um, That's my favorite. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good television out there right now. I don't have time to digest it all, but there's a lot of good television. Yep. Uh, this is a good one from Drea Ajay. Will the carefree, happy-go-lucky, hey, dumbass Glenn of old ever return? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think I think this character is evolving, and that doesn't mean he's going to lose complete parts of himself, but I don't think he'll come back to the raw, happy-go-lucky Glenn. I think he'll turn into a you know more matured version of his prior self. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I love this, uh, how much e- your character's grown, how many dine, how you've gotten to play different emotions. I do hope for that though. I hope that he, there will be some lighter moments ahead because that's one of the things that, you know, I've always liked about Glenn it, it, from a different mm-hmm. perspective through a different, you know, prism, but 
that, that's one of my hopes. <laughs> I totally agree. I think, you know, I think, you know, the place that he's at right now is a very tumultuous place. Yeah. And so these are the, these are the defining moments that really kind of carry you through and carry over for the rest of your life. Uh, I don't think that means, you know, that you lose all semblance of your core. And I think at its core, at his core, he's a good person. And because of that, you know, you can't, there's no way that he could completely lose himself mm-hmm. Good to hear. Uh, 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 as he grows. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think it'll come back at some point. Um, okay. I want to get to just a, a little bit about the comic book. So if you, if you guys listening haven't read and don't want to be spoiled, you should just skip ahead until like just a few minutes before the end of the podcast. Um, um, starting now, cause I'm about to give something away. So, in issue 100 of the comic, Glenn meets his tragic end. How did you how did you find out about that, and and what was it like to to find that out? Actually, my cousin put me onto it. He was talking about he had just read 99. He's like, dude, something's up, man. Yeah. Like things are not going well. <laughs> and uh, uh, he he was you know he's in reading the comics the whole time, and he was like, whenever somebody has it all figured out and has it really good they usually bite it and it's issue 100. I think you might be going. And like, I was like, Oh, it's crazy. So issue 100 came out. I bought it, read it. And I was amazed. Uh, it was so good. You know, it was such a raw thing for Kirkman to do a brave thing for Kirkman to do and a genius thing for Kirkman to do. And then also a genius way to do it. Just a character that's been there for a hundred issues you literally don't even give him, you don't give him like a goodbye speech. You don't give him like chance to say like, I'm gone. Like you just end him like that. And I loved it. It's so honest and, and real. I, I loved it. <laughs> so you didn't have any feelings like I'm dead or <laughs> any negative. No, I mean, it's, What's cool is like you look at it as from a story perspective, and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. if I go out like that on a show, that'd be incredible. Yeah, and I agree. I, I agree. Think I about the lasting impression. Yeah. I don't want a big speech. It's just not. It's better when, like with Axel in this last episode, right? You know, right mm-hmm. in the middle of a sentence, boom! It's so more impactful that way. But we hope that it's many, many, yeah. many years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Karen, Stephen, uh, Stephen wrote a, a really nice letter that showed up in the letters page in the back of walking dead after that issue. It's, it started out, uh, quote, dear Robert, I hope this letter finds you well. That was a lie. I actually hope this letter finds you with tuberculosis. Um, and then it goes on and on and then ends by saying that Stephen bought a sniper rifle and is coming for uh, Robert. So I'm just wondering if anything ever came of that. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, um, I just, there was a lot of, there's a lot of angry words that came out. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun. I mean, Kirkman and I were talking about it and, uh, we were at dinner one time, a bunch of us, and, uh, I was like, can I write you a letter? And he's like, yes. And <laughs> he was like, please make it like the most raunchy, terrible thing. And he wanted me to put a lot of like swears in it and just yeah. like, you know, cursing and there's references uh, to like blah, a bag of dicks I, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I try to make it more like absurdist. So uh-huh. which is more up my alley. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just, it just kind of stream of consciousness came out. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, re- I recommend, uh, if you 
listeners to go get that issue number 102 just for that one letter it's worth the price of admission. <laughs> the best is his response his response is hilarious oh i didn't i went back to read it but i didn't read i forgot what he said do you remember anything oh yeah that? his response was like you know uh, i don't know who you are but <laughs> i think you could only hold like i think there's only a few jobs you could hold and one of them would be that of an asshole <laughs> and, uh, he just he's, he's so funny so sweet <laughs> Uh, Karen, is there anything else you want to ask? Yeah, I do. Um, Do the zombie extras um, freak you out? Or are you totally used to the zombie extras now? Yeah, no, they don't freak me out anymore. But it's it's good to see wild card zombies occasionally because they're like, whoa, that one's crazy. So Mm -hmm. that you can get back into the mode of like being able to run away from them. The the, the Russell Tolley, our stunt coordinator, he played the zombie that was in the chair scene. And uh, that one was terrifying. Just it was disgusting. Yeah, the, those guys. I, I'm impressed with. Ev- they're just ever more imaginative all the time. They always come up with something new, mm-hmm. and disgusting. But uh, other than that, thanks a lot. This was a, this is great. I really enjoyed talking to you. I'm glad you could come back on. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.